Hey guys, this is the Feminist Critique Podcast. I'm Ageline. I'm Gracie. And it's just a podcast where the two of us talk about movies. And I decided to switch it up. Everybody hates it now. <laughs> we don't hate it. Um, first of all, it's Oscar month. The Oscars were last night. Yes. And, yes, they were. Uh, Shape of Water won Best Picture. Which I was really happy about because uh, not only is... uh, How do you say his name? Guillermo. Guillermo del Toro. Um, Sorry, I can't say his name, but I love his movies. All of the ones that he's made have been amazing. From Pacific Rim to uh, Crimson Peak to Pan's Labyrinth, uh, both of the Hellboys. Like these are some of my favorite movies. Very visually stunning movies. And and this movie was no different. Gracie has not watched it yet, but I decided to watch it, and I really liked it. Fish sex. Okay, fuck off. (laughs) Oh come on! It was just a joke. Oh, it was just a joke. As if this is the first time the story of, like, Beauty and the Beast, like, having a love story. Like, it's a tale as old as motherfucking time. You know what? If Bella had, if Belle had had sex with the Beast, it would have been buffalo sex, okay? So, like... <laughs> I wonder what sound the beef the beast makes. Wasn't this uh, Guillermo Guillermo del Toro's like love letter to the creature from the Black Lagoon because he like really loves those movies? Yeah, I think it was. I think that's what I read. Yeah. In all honesty, I also read an article about fish sex. So <laughs> the movie was really good, and also for me, um, it, it kind of holds a little bit of a special place in my heart too. And that is because uh, a good chunk of the film was filmed in Hamilton, Ontario, which is my hometown, right? So there's there's parts where I'm like watching it and I'm like, that's the Burlington Bridge. That's City Hall. That's, you know, downtown yeah. Hamilton. That's so yeah. for me, I it was like saw a oh. video where uh, they said that it was exactly like Splash. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I think you just need I'm to just watch the mother- on you. I'm just shitting on you to be a terrible friend. You're fucking the worst. I hate you. Nobody likes you, Gracie. Okay. Okay. Well, um, since we did get out and it came out uh, Sunday, um, I guess we should mention that Jordan Peele actually won Best Original Screenplay. Mm-hmm. He's the first black man to ever do so. Yeah, and the first uh, black man to have a movie that was uh, nominated that was not about civil rights or slavery or what was the other one that you said? The Inner City. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Also, uh, original screenplay, there's only been three black people that have ever been nominated, so. Oh. Yeah, Oscar's so white. Yeah. Yeah, and Frances McDormand won Best Actress for Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. I can only ever see see her as uh, Miss Clavel from the Madeline movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel terrible about that. <laughs> it's a good movie, though. Alright, um, so it's Oscar month, and... 
today we are going to be talking about all about Eve. I never saw this movie. But I insist. I, <laughs> I insisted. I insisted. <laughs> Ew. Ew. <laughs> what? That's what I was saying. For shame. That's almost as bad as your intersexuality. <laughs> okay. Instead of intersectionality. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being intersexual. It's just that you have a terrible way with your words. I didn't mean to, okay? <laughs> Anyways. I insisted that uh, we do this movie, uh, which is all about Eve. And the reason for that is this movie one in 1950 and it's incredibly feminist of a movie definitely for its era i'll say that much. Uh, yeah that's for fucking sure <laughs> 1950 are you kidding me and it won best picture at the oscars crazy oh also the first film to have all four to have um four women nominated for a best actress or best supporting actress but you would you think that one of them won not one single fucking one won you know which you know who won best supporting who? actor figures yeah <sighs> like All right. like um, really bitch the only women a woman in this whole thing that did like win something Oscar wise was actually Edith uh, Edith Head, who was costume design and she's infamous uh, when it comes to costume costume design of uh, the golden era of Hollywood. Mm. Well, to give you some more little Oscar stuff, um, this movie shares the record for most nominations for Oscars. At 14, and it shares it with Titanic and La La Land. And I will say right now, I don't think Titanic has stood the test of time, and I did not like La La Land, so... I didn't watch La La Land, honestly. I didn't like it I had all. no interest to watch it. Me, I mean, I watched it because of I Love Musicals. I didn't like it. Yeah. I didn't understand why it got all the hype. And Titanic, I love Titanic when I was a kid. Fucking loved Titanic, right? Well, it almost... I watch it now, and it's... God, it's awful. Oh, I remember watching Titanic. Titanic. Okay, anyways. Um, yeah, I remember watching that in the theater. My dad took me to see that with uh, my brother when I was nine. Yeah, I was nine. And uh, it was, like, a big deal because, you know, there's some titty in there, right? Mm-hmm. Draw me like one of your French girls. <laughs> you see, I didn't get a lot of that shit when I was a kid, right? You know? Draw like, me obviously, like one of your French piece of shit, but Rose, honey, y- you didn't know Jack. Yeah. You knew him three days. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, young love, right? <sighs> she also, re- she was 16, so it makes that scene a little bit you know. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Rose's character. Talks, Rose is only 16. What? I mean, like, Kate Winslet is 18 or 19 when this film is made, right? Yeah. But, like, at the beginning, she talks about how she was 16. Oh, my God. 
Exactly. Oh my god, I thought she was older. Fucking exactly. <sighs> no. No, wait. Wait. Movie came out in 1998, right? Uh, 1997. 1997, yeah. 1997. Okay. And they say that she's going to be 101 next month. Yeah. Okay. And when did the Titanic sink? Uh, 1912. 1912. So she was going to be 100, if she's 100 in 1997. Yeah. She was 16. You're right. <laughs> oh my fucking god. Anyway, we're not gonna talk about Titanic until December. Are we actually? Oh yeah, we are doing Titanic. Yeah, we're fucking doing romantic ti- epics in December. That's a long, long way away. Yeah. Um. Anyways, um. Anyway, so let's go through the basics of this movie. Yeah. Uh, it was. You know, released in 1950, and had had a budget of about 1.4 million, and a box office of 2.9 million. And when you looked it up uh, for inflation, 2.9 is roughly like 35 million dollars. So it's not great, but also the population was a lot lower in the 50s compared to now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it did relatively well yeah um now for the cast we've got bet davis as margo she's known for movies like the virgin queen and whatever happened to baby jane ann baxter was eve she's known for the magnificent ambersons from the ten commandments yeah george sanders played addison dewitt uh he's known for rebecca and the picture of Dorian Gray. Okay, I have to um, say about George uh, Sanders in this movie. I, was it just me or like, I don't know, he was like fucking hot in a weird old man way. <laughs> I found, we'll get into that in a minute. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, Celeste Holm was Karen. Uh, she was in Gentleman's Agreement and Come to the Stable. Gary Merrill was Bill Simpson. And he was in movies like The Woman Who Wouldn't Die and Mysterious Island. And then um, it was also one of Marilyn Monroe's first films. And she plays Miss Caswell. Yeah. And in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and Some Like It Hot. She, uh, you know, she's known for those movies. Yeah. It was written and directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz, who also directed Guys and Dolls and wrote and directed Cleopatra and the Barefoot Contessa. And I'm talking about the Elizabeth Taylor whiteface Cleopatra. Oh, wait. Uh, the Barefoot Contessa. Are you talking about um, that chick that does the, the food stuff? On the t- no. Food Network? No? <laughs> I thought that too when I read it. No, it's actually a movie. Oh. From the 50s or 60s. <laughs> God, she stole it? The fuck? I'm not one of her biggest fans. I don't actually know uh, anything about her. Anyway, it also holds the record for most female acting Oscar nominations in a single film. 
Anne Baxter and Bette Davis were nominated for Best Actress, Celeste Holm and Thelma Ritter, who plays uh, Birdie, for Best Supporting Actress. She was great. Uh, okay. She's very memorable for the ten minutes she's on screen altogether. Yeah. What happened to her character, though? I don't know. You see her in the first act, and then you never see her again. Yeah, like, what happened to her character? She's just like... Fuck if I know. I have no idea. I was like, what? where is she? Wasn't she, like, a really good friend? Right? And then she, like, did did fucking, what's her name? Did Eve kill her? Is this what this movie is about? Is this a murder mystery? Like, what happened to her? This is a plot hole. It was just an editing issue and a plot hole that was, you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, she was super memorable. So there's actually a lot of lines that came out of this movie that I didn't actually know originated from this movie. Like I said, I'd never seen this movie before the last few days. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would also like to mention, Jesus fucking Christ, that's a lot of cigarette smoke. Yeah, everybody <laughs> used to fucking smoke cigarettes. Like, my mom back Boy, in the they 80s. they were all smoking, like, chimney. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, like, how it was. Fuck, my mom was smoking at her desk in the 1980s. Like, you didn't go out for a smoke, you just smoked at your desk. You're a little bit more productive, too. Yeah. So you mentioned um, Addison DeWitt's character. Yeah. Addison is, of course, the narrator. And this movie opens with an awards ceremony for a, a Sarah B. Siddons Award, which is an actual award. Oh, it is? Okay, I didn't know For that. achievement in, in theater. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Eve's the one that's getting the award, and... Addison is explaining, he's basically introducing the characters, right? Yeah. Without actually introducing them. He's introducing what they do, the director, the writer. You know, he introduces uh, Margot and um, Karen's characters and talks about, you know, Eve. Like, it was a very good start to the movie, in my opinion, because the dialogue it's snappy and it catches your attention yeah Yeah. and the thing too like when i first watched this movie i remember being like i thought eve was bet davis's character like what's going on here right but no it's not so um then it turns over to uh, karen richards who you know talks about like what you know what she would have done um, if she could go back in time and, like, you know, change a decision because her decision impacts the story, right? So mm-hmm. it all starts off, um, she's, she, you know, goes back to, um, like, it's less than a year or something. Like, it's not much time at all. And uh, she's like, oh, it was, it seems like it was a lifetime ago because, you know, there's some shit, some shit went down and that's what the story is about, right? So Karen leaves the cab and she goes inside and she notices that there's um, like that the young woman who was there every night for like six weeks or something is not there. But as she's walking in, she see like the the young woman says like, oh, um, Mrs. Richards, like um, 
and she, she starts talking to her and she's like you know a fangirl sort of thing like oh i'm such a fan of um margot channing Margo. right mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and um and of course you know karen who's like oh i'm just a playwright but like i'm really good friends with uh, with Margot, like, why don't you come in and like, you know, that she's a playwright. She's the playwright's wife. Well, exactly. And she's, um, she's like, but you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Eve knows that Karen is Margot's close friend, right? Because stalker much and uh, ends up. I know that's what I put in my notes. I was like, damn, something's wrong with this woman. Like, I didn't look up what this movie was about. I didn't see the remake or anything all about Eva. Never saw the remake. There was a remake? I didn't know there was Pretty sure there is a remake of this movie called All About Eva. And if I'm not mistaken, it has Vanessa Williams in it. Oh, okay. I'm not 100%. I think it came out in the 90s. So, I know all about Eva's the name of the movie, though. So she ends up, you know, bringing um, this, you know, fan in. Her name is Eve Harrington. And, um, you know, to meet Margot. And uh, Margot's in her dressing room and she has, you know, her, her friends around. And they're all talking and having a great time, right? And um, Karen, you know, tells Eve to wait outside. And then uh, goes in and starts, you know, talking and mentions that... Um, that, uh, you know, she has a fan out there who would love to see her. So Margo's like, oh, bring her in, you know. But she, you know, says something like, oh, fans. Margo, is, in my opinion, is definitely diva. Like, Oh, yeah. I am pretty sure a lot of that wasn't even acting because Bette Davis had a reputation for being that way. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure this is probably one of the easiest characters that Bette Davis ever played. <laughs> she did a really good job too right so um and then yeah the director well the director's notes in what i was reading up on the director uh told her that margot's character was the type of woman that would wear a fur coat as a poncho and that was just to kind of give you a clue at how much of a diva she was mm-hmm. so um Eve comes into the thing and uh, into the room and then she tells the group uh, in the dressing room her story, right, um, about how she's followed Margot's last theater theatrical tour uh, in New York after seeing her in a play in San Francisco and uh, how she grew up very poor and uh, lost her husband in World War II and, you know, that she worked at a brewery, but, like, you know, she wanted to be an actress and all this other, like, there's a story and it's, like, it's a sob story. It was. I felt so bad for her. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. But, you know, so... Everybody, but Bertie, but Bertie, Bertie cracked me up in this scene where, uh, you know, Margot kind of gets like real uppity and she's talking to, you know, almost in a British accent. Yeah, so well, that's Bertie, that East like, Coast accent. Hamlet's mother. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
Margot befriends Eve because, you know, she's moved by her story, right? So she takes her into her house and hires her as an assistant. Um, yeah, there's one thing, though, is uh, uh, Margot's uh, boyfriend, Bill, is going to Hollywood to, you know, direct a movie. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're really close and fucking adorable. Um, yeah. There's a couple of things about that scene that made me crack up, and I put them in my notes. That's why I want to kind of go over them real quick. Okay. There's, yeah, there's that one scene where right before Bill leaves, he asks Bertie, you know, anything you want me to tell Tyrone Power. Now, if you don't know who Tyrone Power is, he's a huge Hollywood actor from the 50s mm-hmm. and 40s, and he is very handsome, right? So... She goes, just give him my phone number and I'll tell him myself. Which makes Bertie one of my favorite fucking characters. She don't um, give a fuck. She gonna tell you. Exactly. Also, that scene where Bill's about to depart. Have you ever seen Young Frankenstein? Um, do you mean like the, the, the Mel Brooks? Gene Wilder. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I was in that play, so I played well, villager you know number four. <laughs> you know that part where they're at the train station and she's all dressed and she's like, Taffeta, darling, Taffeta. For some reason, that scene where Margot and Bill are saying goodbye, it reminded me of that. And I have to wonder if that was some sort of inspiration for Mel Brooks. Oh, probably. <laughs> Because Mel Brooks is one of those great satirists, you know, and he draws a lot of inspiration from a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Also, they were super fucking trusting of Eve for having just met her. Like, even well, yeah, I wouldn't be that trusting. You know what it is? I think it was just, um, they saw her as, you know, this young, naive girl who had had the world, you know, thrown at her and had a bit of a rough, you know, life. Like, oh, here's this poor country girl who you know, lost her husband. Like, that's so sad. Like, let's bring her in and, like, we'll be friends with her and, like, give her a job and fuck. I mean, really. That's kind of it, right? So, um, so, this, uh, Eve, you know, quickly, you know, puts herself out there in Margot's life, like, you know, um, making, being, like, a secretary, you know, and both a fan. And this kind of leaves Birdie, who's, you know, instinctively, like, dislikes Eve, feeling a little bit put out. Yeah. And, you know, Margot, like, even realizes that Birdie's pretty, you know, put out about her. And uh, one of the weird things that happens is Margot gets a phone call at midnight. Which is like, well, it's technically three in the morning for her mm-hmm. in midnight California time. And she didn't place the call. And so she gets a call from Bill. And then while they're on the phone, she realizes that it's Bill's birthday. Okay, first of all, Bette Davis and her co star had some real chemistry. <laughs> I loved Margot and Bill. They're fucking adorable. Yeah. And I actually found out after I watched the movie that um, Bette 
and the guy that played Bill, um, they actually fell in love on set, and they got married and adopted a daughter, and they named her Margot. What? I'm fucking serious. He's like, I think he's like ten years younger. Well, he's eight years. Well, yeah, because he's eight years uh, younger than her, like in the movie, right? And I think it was like that in real life too. So I mean, yeah, good on her. Um, Yeah. And they were married for ten years. Yeah, she had like five or six marriages. Did she really? Most of them were. Yeah, most of them were divorces. Only yeah, one he was. Death. He was her last husband. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um. So then, what ends up happening? Um. Oh, sorry. They throw Bill a birthday party. When, yeah. For when he comes home. And I will say right now, I fucking loved her dress. Want to know why? Want to know why? Why? It had pockets. Did it really? It fucking did, man. She had them. She had her hands in her pockets of her dress, and I was like, "She's ahead of her time." That's a damn good dress right there. Dresses are only good if they have pockets. There's a there's a viral video about how all you have to do is put pockets in your woman's dress. And she will be happy. And it's fucking true. Just put some pockets in the dress. I just want some pockets. I just want some pockets in my pants and pockets in my dress. Because I have tons of pants without pockets. What the fuck was fashion even thinking? Not putting pockets in my stuff. I need to not carry a purse, but I got it because I have no pockets to put my wallet in the pocket. And that's my song that I just made up. Yeah. And it's terrible. Shut the fuck up. I hate you. Um, but yeah, so Bertie, uh, <laughs> she actually, Margot actually asked Bertie before the party what she thinks about Eve. And Bertie, you know, basically lets her distaste known. But what she says causes it to kind of click in Margot's head that there's something really wrong with Eve. Yeah. And... So she's had this weighing on her mind all day, and the next thing you fucking know, it's the night of the party, and she is annoyed with the fact that she, you know, has let Eve come into her house, and, you know, and Eve's being a sneaky little brown noser with a hidden agenda. Mm-hmm. Well, because there's that one part, right, where, uh, was this... I think it was before the party, right? Uh, where it's after the performance, and um, and Eve uh, is like, "Oh, I'm gonna go and take the dress back to to costuming, right?" Mm-hmm. And um, after after that part, right? Um, what's her? Uh, Margot's like. Oh, I should probably go after her because, you know, there's, like, unions and shit and, you know, they're going to be all upset that somebody did their fucking job, right? Mm. So, um, she goes after and, uh, Eve is there looking in the mirror and she's got, um, this, you know, dress, like, a Gone with the Wind sort of dress, right? Mm -hmm. And she's, you know, like, 
like a little girl does, you know, when she puts on her mom's dress and like, like ooh, look at, and, you know, like, ooh, I look so it. pretty in this dress, even though I'm not wearing it. Yeah. Yeah. And Margot sees her doing it. And then like when she has, this is before she gets the conversation. And I think she Bill. thinks it's almost funny. Like, it's kind of cute. Like, oh, she wishes she yeah. was me. But then after she realizes that Eve has, you know, made it made the appointment with the telephone call and that she also sent a personal telegram to Bill, mm-hmm. she starts to get a little upset because she's like, okay, you know, my private life is my private life. I don't want you fucking around with that, essentially, you know. And uh, so this is weighing all on her mind and then... Sure as shit, Bill comes home, and she's getting ready, and he's been home 20 minutes, and he hasn't come to see her. And when she gets downstairs, he's, you know, talking it up with Eve. And so this automatically puts her in a shitty mood. Yeah. (laughs) And she starts downing them them martinis, boy. (laughs) Oh, she does. And it's that one part, it's, yeah, she gets real drunk, and it's, like, one part where, um, that, like, older producer guy or whatever, and she's like, let's go get us a drink, and he's like, she thinks of me as a father, she's also fucking loaded. (laughs) Essentially. Oh, God, she says some really funny stuff while she's drunk, (laughs) She goes, Bill's 32. He looked at five years ago. He'll look at 20 years from now. I hate men. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking true, though. Like, There's like a couple of lines. Well, it's true because, you know, you hear these things like, oh, men age like fine wine and they're so much hotter when they're older, which, I mean, you know, there's a lot of women who like that silver fox thing, right? And, like, you know, with women, it's, like, once you get past 40, like, that's fucking it. And that's Margot's problem. Like, she even confesses, I'm 40. I've been 40 for a few months now. (laughs) I'm finally admitting it. She's really, she's, yeah, she's really hitting a midlife crisis, okay? Well, that's because. She's had a hit to her confidence, you know. But what they're showing here is is a true, you know, part of the theater and uh, the movie industry is like once you get past the age of 40, like it's time to take the fucking dog out back and shoot it. Or sorry, horse, whatever. I mean, unless you have a super lasting career, most actresses don't exactly have that. Like not everybody is Meryl Streep. Yeah. But up until recently, like, you know, it, it was like that. Well, there are a lot of women over 40 who have managed to make continue to have a career, mm-hmm. you know. Well, it's nice to see that now, right? But yeah, this was but the golden age yet, of Hollywood. I mean, it used to be like you couldn't be over 30 and a flight attendant. Like, that's just the rules for society in the 50s. Man, you I'm know? getting up there. It's it's about time to take this fucking old horse out back and shoot it. <laughs> You're 30, you're an old maid, okay? <laughs> I'm also never going to find love, so, like, I might as well just buy myself another cat or two. Yeah, Spencer, 
and a burden to your family. <laughs> I mean, truth. Okay, Gracie, you didn't have to fucking point it out, but like, you know, it hurts my feelings. But like, sorry, mom and dad, I'm a totally a fucking burden. I'm gonna need some more money. Uh, uh, we also meet um, Addison Dewitt for the first time outside of his narration, and he's got Miss Caswell on his arm. I did not like the way he was like almost pimping her out to uh, pr- to producers and stuff. Um. Yeah, that's what it was like to be a young actress back in the day. Oh, it was so gross. Like, he's a, he's a theater critic. You yeah. Know? Well, he, write, he, he wants he to help her columns. career and banger. Yeah. Oof. And Margot hates him. Oh, God. She can't stand him. But there's almost a mutual respect between them. Mm-hmm. You know? Even though they dislike each other so much you kind of get that vibe that you know i hate your fucking guts but i respect you for what you are and what you've made of yourself (laughs) yeah uh i you know what it's so weird i think it was the accent with addison dewitt where i was like yes (laughs) he was it was charming in his cruelness he was very charming i know like he was an asshole but he was also very charming. <laughs> Maybe and that's that why he won the Oscar. Maybe. Because he was so complex. Um, I mean, all the characters in this are very complex. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, you know, then after the party, right? Uh, oh, shoot. Which part? This movie was, like, kind of long. But anyways, so two hours and fifteen minutes long. I do know that she and Bill had a huge fucking fight. Oh yeah, they did. And uh, And I thought they'd broken up, and I was devastated. (laughs) You loved them. (laughs) Um. So what ends up happening is, um, Eve, you know, kind of mentions to Karen, like, "Oh, I'd like to be, um." I'd like to be Margot's uh, understudy. And, you know, Karen's like, well, you know, fucking hell would have to break loose before Margot, you know, doesn't go on stage sort of deal, right? Mm. So, um... Yeah, I know. I put in my notes, nah, Karen, don't fucking do it. Margot's Margo's gonna end up poisoned or sick. Well, exactly, right? So, uh, what ends up happening is that, um... Eve, I what it didn't like specifically say this, but I think what Eve did was take the gas out of the car. Yeah, see, what had happened was that uh, Margot, Karen, and her husband Richard, mm-hmm. right? That was his name, Richard. Yeah, they went out of town for the weekend, and um, the the car that they were in on the way to the train station it ran out of gas one of and you know Karen and um Karen and Margot kind of had a conversation and Karen apologized so apparently she must have ran the car out of gas I don't know if she did it on purpose or not but it certainly looked suspicious and it's something that comes up later okay so yeah. Um, but there's also this one line which made me crack up while they're talking. 
And she's like, you'd think they'd fix it so people can sit in a car and keep warm. And I'm thinking, oh, but they do in the future. <laughs> Did they? Because, like, my car doesn't keep warm if it's my out bed. of gas. <laughs> you also live in the middle of bumfuck northern Canada. <laughs> I realize that, but you don't have to throw that in my face that I live in a frozen hellscape, okay, Gracie? Like, for well, fuck's sake. I live in a human soup can. <laughs> I prefer my frozen hellscape personally, but you know. I would rather be able to breathe and be freezing cold, okay? Mm, I don't think you'll be able to breathe. It gets so cold that, like, it makes my face hurt. It's kind of like that one week. Our one week song, <laughs> the weekend song, where it's like, I can't feel my face when I'm with you, <laughs> but I love it. Um, except that's just what it's like in Canada. I can't feel my face because it's so motherfucking it. cold. <laughs> um, okay, so Margot misses her performance, which uh, kind of sucks. So, but what suspiciously, well. <laughs> Um, and, and there's also some other stuff like going on, like, um, uh, Margot finds out that, uh, that Eve is her understudy, um, after she arrives late to this thing, but she kind of already knew, right? And then she like yeah. has a little, you know, shit fit over it. And then all the dudes are standing there like, why are you being such a bitch, Margot? Like, come on. Yeah, like, they treat her like she's overreacting. But she's, she's like, not. you bitches don't understand. I don't want this woman in my life at all. And see, the suspicious thing was, is the night that Eve goes on stage, for some reason, there were several theater critics in the audience. That's because she invited they, them. Well, yeah, but, like, they all knew that. And one of them was Addison DeWitt. Mm-hmm. And see, Bill didn't go out of town because he and Margo had had a fight. So Bill didn't go with them. And the night that all of those theater critics come, Eve puts the moves on Bill. And I'm thinking, holy fuck, this bitch has stole Margo's career, and now she's trying to steal her man. But Bill doesn't go for it. He loves Margot, and I'm like, thank God there are decent men in this world. Now, during this time, um, Addison sees this, right? Mm -hmm. But he does, but she doesn't know this, right? Um, mm -hmm. But Addison kind of takes Eve under his wing, and then what he does. Yeah. One is of he... my favorite parts of that is when he's asking questions, and he's like, oh, and, and, uh, in in San Francisco. Hmm. And what was the name of the theater? Oh, yes, that, right. And all the time, I'm just like, that, uh, that Vine song, Why the Fuck You Lie. Why you fuck you <laughs> Like, lie? you can tell he knows that she's full of shit. Yeah. Well, exactly. Like, he's playing the game, too, right? So what he does is he writes a column that criticized Margot for not making a way for new talents like Eve uh, and uses Eve's words against her. So, um... Oh, it was fucking savage. Yeah. That man, 
he's like, Alexander Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Kill somebody's career with a pen. Holy shit, that was bad. So what ends up happening is um, the next day, um, Eve is with Addison and they go to dinner to like meet people or not dinner, like lunch or something. And uh, Karen is supposed to meet up with Margot, um, but Karen gets there early because Margot is one of those types of people that, you know, she comes to things late, right? So she ends up reading the column and she, you know, after like a few moments of reading it, she's like, oh my fucking God. And she leaves immediately to show Margot this scathing article, right? Yeah. And, like, Margot takes it really hard. Yeah. Because, you know, this girl, she's she's trusted this young woman, and sure, she's been a bit of a bitch, but at the same time, like, you don't do this to someone that's supposedly your friend. So she is, like, really upset. And love Bill. Bill comes in and, like, just wraps her in his arms and tells her, I'm here, baby. And I'm like, yep, that's my man right there. I can already tell you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, but Karen goes home and she has a conversation with her husband and then they get into an argument about the fact that, you know, oh, well, Eve didn't mean it. You know, she's just a kid. Okay. Eve is 24 fucking years old. Wow. She is not a child. Yeah. <laughs> she is not a child. Mm-hmm. She's 24 years old. Um, but yeah, one of the lines while, uh, Karen and her husband are fighting, is he says something about her, you know, she's got a lot of cyni- a lot of cynicism since she, you know, left Radcliffe. And he goes, she tells him that cynicism you refer to is the one I acquired the moment I realized I was born different from boys. I was like, fucking true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I it's... I was like, holy fuck, that is some radical feminism right there. <laughs> this This movie is really progressive yeah for its era definitely Mm -hmm. like that line spoke to me on a personal level like because i think a lot of women have that you know kind of jaded cynicism yeah just because of the fact that you know especially back then i mean shit you you didn't have anything unless you were an actress you know or you were rich like otherwise you had to get married yeah. So um what ends up happening is uh the the next part is um did you mention that uh Eve starts talking to Karen and it's like this, you know, moment where Karen Well, this is well that's later on oh. after, you know, after everything cools down, Eve resigns and so Margot and Bill and Richard and Karen all go out to eat. Yeah, at a restaurant to, to celebrate. To, yeah, to celebrate. And Margot was like, I actually want to thank Eve for everything. Because if it wasn't for all her terribleness, then we wouldn't be together now. And, you know, like, Bill proposed to her. So she's she's in a good place, mm-hmm. you know? She feels a lot better. And while they're all celebrating and eating their dinner, Karen gets a note from Eve, who's at the same restaurant with DeWitt. Yeah. And it's Eve saying, hey, you know, please come talk to me, please. I'm in the bathroom. In the ladies' room. 
Yeah. And Margo says, I never let you go to the bathroom alone, darling, but I will this time. You'll have to come back and tell us all about it. So Karen goes and she talks with Eve. And Eve plays that simpering little, you know. A little girl like, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. I was. He twisted my words. Exactly. But then (laughs) there's that moment. And she turns into a vicious viper. Well, yeah, it like it really does turn because she she gets to that point where then it like it spins around and she's like, I want that part in um, Cora. I want the part of Cora or whatever. I want I want the main part in your husband's new play. Yeah. And she's like, and you're going to make sure that I get it or else. And Karen's like, no, I'm fucking not. And then Eve's like, well, I'll just say that you sabotaged, you know, your best friend, you know. Yeah. And that would ruin your career, but also your husband's career because Mm -hmm. then neither of you would be trusted. Yeah. And so Karen goes back to the table and she's really upset. And she's like, man, how am I going to bring this up with my husband? But then, as luck would have it, because Margot's getting married, Margot says, you know what? Now that I'm getting married, I don't have to act. I don't have to fill my, you know, the void in my life with a performance every night because I'll have a husband to go home to. And I'll be happy and content with that. And then Karen starts busting out laughing. Yeah. Because she's like, thank fucking God I don't have to betray my best friend. (laughs) Yeah, so then um, what ends up happening is uh, they, Eve is cast as Cora. Oh, oh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. A girl. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't, I meant to, there was this one part where um, DeWitt, uh, they, at the dinner, Bill and Margot see DeWitt, and he raises, DeWitt raises his glass to Bill and Margot, and then Margot takes, like, a carrot and sticks it up. It's a carrot or a piece of celery, and then bites it, and all I could think was, like, that must be a -a suck-a-dick metaphor. (laughs) Because then Bill does it, too, but, like, you could tell it was almost like she was raising her middle finger, but then biting off the you know, piece of vegetable almost as if to say, I'll cut your dick off. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway. <laughs> um, so the next part is that uh, Eve is cast as Cora and uh, they're doing an out-of-town premiere in uh, New Haven, Connecticut, which is like a hop skip and a, you know, toss, whatever. It's really close to New York, but it's like out-of-town and that's how they... Um, like open up plays they do it in out of town and then they head over to to new york right um mm-hmm. so while eve is in the hotel she uh gets a visit from addison dewitt and you know mentions her next plan and this is after a few weeks of you know like rehearsal and stuff right and we also miss the part where um eve gets her neighbor to call uh oh Karen's husband's name is Lloyd, not Richard. Yeah. My bad. Um, uh, yeah, their last name is Richards, I think. That's what it is. 
Floyd Richards. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Can you, um. Anyway, you keep cutting me off. Okay. To... Well, I'm trying. You forgot that part. <sighs> okay. Yeah, the part where she has her neighbor call up and she's like, oh, Eve's so upset and she really needs you. And then Lloyd goes to Eve's aid and all I could think was is Eve having an affair with him. Yeah, and then there's also the part where, like, um, Karen is in bed and she's like, my husband doesn't like me as much as, you know, he used to. Like, the love is kind of going cold or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So... Um, Eve mentions the next part of her plan, and that is that she wants to marry Lloyd, who, she claims, will come to her professing his love and his eagerness to leave his wife for her. And um, as she says this, uh, oh, and that, like, you know, he's going to write these amazing plays and they're going to showcase her. And then, um, and then, you know, Addison's like, you know, he he's like, oh, you silly, silly girl. You don't know what I fucking got on you. Like, I, I know all the shit. And he slaps her. And I'm oh, like, yeah. what the actual fuck, dude? No, absolutely no. Yeah. Mm, I don't care if she's shit. You don't, you don't hit anybody. <laughs> yeah, Addison's like not a great person, but, you know, she's not a she's great really person not. either. But, but he, yeah, he but he something to the effect of, you know, you're not going to ruin Lloyd and Karen's marriage. I'm not going to allow it. Yeah. And then he proceeds to explain why he's not going to allow it and basically says he owns her. And why does he own her? Oh, are you letting me talk now? Yes. Would oh. you stop being like that? You Will you fucking do time. it? <laughs> you do it all the time. I love you. I don't mean to. Okay. Anyways, he reveals her backstory being all lies and that she is a little lying stupid bitch, right? And that her real name is Grutrude. 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 Sorry. Grutrude. It's not a sexy name. I no. I blame her for changing it. Um, and what's the last name? Like, Sir... I don't remember. Ski? Sir Lessingski? I can't say it. Whatever. And that she was never married, and she uh, had been paid to leave her hometown after having an affair with her boss, who was a brewer in Wisconsin. <laughs> Good Lord, woman. Um, and that... Um, and because of that... He blackmails her, saying that she will not be marrying Lloyd or anybody else. And in exchange for his silence, she now belongs to him. And they both, uh, you know, are made for each other because they have no love in their hearts for anybody. Yeah, I put in my notes, quote, we are evil pieces of shit. Adam and sentiment, really. <laughs> <laughs> That's. I think that was the moment where I was like, Edison's kind of sexy in a weird way. What's oh, wrong God. with me? I have a problem. That's why I'm single. Um. Anyways, <laughs> so, so this uh, then it comes like it's a year later, right? And Eve is 
we kind of go back to like the beginning part where you yeah. know the awards thing but she is a shining broadway star she's headed for hollywood like everything is amazing for her or so it seems um and then at the awards banquet she thanks uh margot bill lloyd and karen for their um for all that they do all that all that they do i thought that all- was interesting that she actually gave credit yeah, but, she, you know, she thanks them, and they're all staring at her, like, super coldly, like, fuck this bitch. She fucking <laughs> the worst. So You um, almost ruined every single one of our lives. Pretty we're much. <laughs> so there's going to be a party in her honor, and she decides that she's going to skip it, and she returns home alone. And uh, then she goes over to, like, her, her bar little thing because everybody had like a little thing of alcohol for you know to numb the pain and uh she girl sleeping yeah well she encounters um a teenage fan uh named phoebe who had slipped into her apartment and had fallen asleep and this young girl professes her adoration and begins to you know in like basically do what eve did as well you know uh wants to help out uh, and addison comes to the door and he's got her award because he left she left the award in the taxi and he sees phoebe there and uh you know phoebe's like i want to be just like eve and uh addison's like well i'm sure she'll tell you all about it Mm -hmm. it's creepy so while Eve is resting in the other room, uh, Phoebe dons Eve's elegant costume robe and poses in front of a multi-paneled mirror, holding the award as if it was a crown and just, you know, bowing and doing what Eve did. So it's like everything kind of turned around on Eve. Poetic justice. Poetic justice. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end. Uh, that's how it ends. Yeah, it actually, it's a lot of good scenes. You know, very long scenes, but not a lot happens. Yeah. I mean, it's very understated. Like, the plot line, it moves slowly. So, but that's not a bad thing, because the dialogue is really witty. Mm-hmm. And it's very back and forth. I mean, Bill and Margot's back and forth is really good. You know? Yeah. Their conversations are fun to listen to, even when they're arguing. Well, exactly. Um, now, for our tests. Excuse me. Let's see. <laughs> so... All right. We got our Bechdel test. Oh, man. Two women. I hope nobody heard on... that. <laughs> oh, we heard. I burnt. Two women <laughs> talking alone <laughs> on screen Cute. that are named about anyone or anything other than a man. And this happens quite a lot. So definitely passes. It actually passed in the last, in the first five or so minutes when it's uh, Karen and um, Eve talking about Margot's performance. Yeah. Yep. Um, Which was kind of cool to see. Yeah. Then we have the racial Bechdel test. There are no people of color in this movie. (laughs) 
Yeah. Racial Bechdel test is uh, two people of color talking about someone other than a it's other a, than a white a, person. It's a fucking there's, white movie. There's literally one single person of color in this movie, and you don't even see her face. Was there? Yep, one of the film critics. Oh. Yep, like very background. I Barely did not even notice for more than a split second. She's not important. Like that. That's it. Um, sexy lamp test. Uh, I think all of the women that are in this film are vital. None of them have to be sex objects. Oh, never mind. I forgot about Miss Caswell. Oh well, yeah, I guess. Marilyn Monroe. What the hell? No, she kind of. I don't know. I kind of liked how she played her because there's that part where she's um, uh, It's like she's pretending to be a dumb blonde. Well, she's like, she wants the drink and she's just like um, what did she she's like, waiter. And then Addison's like, that is a butler. And she's like, well, I want a drink. And then and the other guy is like there's Someone's name is butler. And he's like, you have a point stupid fucking point but you have a point yeah and then uh the like fat old guy gets her a drink and then like she reaches over and she grabs it and she's like i was thirsty or something like and i'm very marilyn monroe but like i don't know it was charming <laughs> yeah but i, I mean she could have been a sexy lamp, sexy lamp because you literally could replace her with a sexy lamp and it not affect the plot. True. Okay. <laughs> and she has, if she wasn't a named character, it'd be fine. Yeah. Uh, then we have the Macomori test, and the Macomori test is where a female character has a character arc that's not based on, uh, you know, furthering the character arc of a man. Eve does this she passed i mean eve's entire character arc is basically furthering herself Mm -hmm. so this is a pass uh duvernay test which are people of color their characters having character arcs not dependent upon a white character there's no there's no person of color in this film (laughs) so it fails and then the furiosa test I am sure there was outrage in this movie, you know, but uh, it's not an all-female remake of a all-male cast Well, movie, I think so. there would be fucking outrage if it was uh, an all-male remake of this movie. <laughs> it wouldn't work, I don't think. No. All about Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's actually the name of a movie that, uh, uh, what's her name? Sandra Bullock's in. Oh, didn't she win a Razzie for and that Bradley one? And Bradley Cooper, because it was so terrible. She won a Razzie. She won an Oscar that year, and then she won a Razzie. She did, she did, I remember that, and she was, like, so happy to win both. Well, she funny. went to, because she won the Razzie, she went to the uh, to the award ceremony and accepted the Razzie. Good on her. Yeah, it takes a, it takes a strong 
it takes, you know, a, a person very comfortable in their own skin to kind of be that self-depreciating and be like, yeah, it was a shit film, wasn't it? And then, uh, and then her husband left her afterwards, so. Yeah, her husband was a dick. Wasn't he, like, into, like, Nazi stuff or whatever? I don't remember. It was weird. No, yeah. the the girl that he cheated on her with was, like, like a pinup. Like, one of those weird white supremacist pinup girls or some shit. Mm, something like that. Wasn't his name Jesse James? Yeah. That's what I thought. I don't know. Anyways, this was, like... It was a long time ago at this point. Uh, anywho, so... <laughs> it fucking was. <laughs> um, Alright, so... Is this film feminist? I believe it is based on the time period and the fact that it does pass a couple of the tests. And that it is a very female-centric film, even though there are... And the male characters actually play supporting roles. Mm-hmm. So... Um, is it the most feminist film? No. But it's definitely one of those films that kind of paved the way for better feminist films. <laughs> Ooh, bless me. Um, Ooh, bless yeah, me again. there's like a lot of film, film theories around this too that, um, that like, somebody mentioned that, uh, this is what I'm reading on wikipedia but there's something to do with uh eve apparently eve is a lesbian and she uses her physical beauty as a weapon to break up marriages and stuff but why would a lesbian want to break up marriages i don't know it's the fucking 50s (laughs) gay people were evil Uh, well according to a certain group of people they still are yeah, well. Assholes. Well, it was like the Cold War's, uh, they called it the Lavender Scare. And, no, I'm, I'm that, does, si- that doesn't sound scary at all. Lavender's a very calming plant. Yeah, I know, but it's like the Lavender Scare is referred to as a witch hunt uh, and the mass firings of uh, homosexual people in the 1950s from the U.S. government. It was like a serious yeah. thing. And it was kind of like McCarthyism and the like second red scare. Um, yeah. yeah. See, the 1950s, everybody's like, oh, the 1950s, so wholesome, so good. But, you know, <laughs> uh, so fucking awful for people of, oh, I don't know, of color, of um, set, different orientation uh, that's not straight. Yeah. Uh, women, um, men. It was good for white straight guys with money. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, the nuclear family and shit like that. But, like, I mean, that's why all these 1950s housewives in the 1960s were popping pills like fucking crazy is because they were so fucking depressed with their shitty-ass lives and, you know, they popped out a few kids and it was like, oh, fuck, what do I do now? Make gelatin everything. <laughs> I mean, true. Make gelatin everything. <laughs> Literally, Fucking... look at any cookbook dated before 1970. So fucking Gelatin gross. 
everything. So fucking gross. That actually, that's so funny that you mention it because um, I watched The Shape of Water today and they it's based in the 19, 1962 and like they mention gelatin uh, because there's like one, one of the characters is like a painter and he like paints something with jello and then there's one part where the woman's like, I made a green jello today. <laughs> gelatin everything also chicken surprise where you cook a banana with the chicken Ugh. i'm sorry Ugh. what did i tell you about that no I found the recipe in a vintage cookbook where the only surprise basically... i know of is pickle surprise and nobody wants to see that ever again pickle surprise <laughs> pickle no, surprise like, the chicken, it was called Chicken Surprise, and it was grilled chicken and a banana that had been grilled with mustard. And then you'd put the grilled banana with mustard on the chicken that you had grilled, and you eat it. Well, all I have to say is, you know what Pickle Surprise really is? No. It's a dick. It's an, <laughs> it's an a dick pick. Well, An unsolicited I mean, one. Nobody wants those. Nobody wants them. <laughs> oh man, that's Snapchat every night for me. Pickle surprise. <laughs> uh, so, Aisling, we have established that this film is feminist. Is uh, it a good movie? I liked it. I mean, it was kind of boring, but like a lot of these older movies are, they're pretty slow. Mm. I I feel like they probably could have done a little bit more editing and tightened it up to, you know, under two hours, but... I do think that that could have happened. Yeah. Um, I also think it was a good movie. I wouldn't consider it the greatest movie I've ever seen, but I really like the witty dialogue. It reminded me of Casablanca a little bit with the writing and mm -hmm. how it's very back and forth and there's a lot of good you know, striking lines that actually have made it, you know, one of the lines actually is... But, like, did people uh, actually fashion. talk like that back then? Like, was this something that people... Like, is this what normal conversation sounded like back then? I hope so. Well, that's... I don't know. I wasn't fucking around then. So, like... And it, it's not like I can ask my parents, because... You know, they weren't around then either. Exactly. And my grandparents were Scottish. Okay? So, like, whenever they... They have no... They no lived in the shitty idea. end of Scotland, which is called Clyde Bank. God, I'm gonna... If any of my family is listening to this, I'm fucking dead. <laughs> They're gonna fucking murder me for saying oh, that. Oh, well, you'll know. You'll know if you get a phone call by the end of the week. <laughs> yeah. Be like, what um, did you say about fucking Clyde Bank, you bitch? I mean... I'm sorry, I can't I mean, even. There's some, <laughs> there's some great lines in this movie. Like, I, I didn't know that fasten your seatbelts, it's gonna be a bumpy night. Was uh, what it originated in this movie. Oh, I and know. I really like the cynicism one. That's my favorite line out of this whole film. It's pretty good. <laughs> oh yeah, because the it did say there, fasten your seatbelts. It's gonna be a bumpy night. It was um. 
part of the 100 movie quotes, and it ranked number nine. It ranked higher than Call Me Mr. Tibbs? Um, Fair. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> um, and then also... Um, the heroes and villains, uh, Eve Harrington got, uh, number 23 out of a hundred. Out of a hundred? Yeah. The movie got 16 out of, uh, the movies and, um, and then the other one, the 10th anniversary one, it got 28. So, I mean, still pretty high up there. I'll tell you what movie surprised me as number one. Like, the number one greatest movie of all time, when it, when you normally ask a film critic, they will tell you Citizen Kane. I have watched Citizen Kane. That is the most boring-ass movie I've ever seen in my life. Technically brilliant, but the movie itself is horrible. I yeah, don't they understand. say Citizen Kane, Casablanca, The Godfather, Gone with the Wind, Lawrence of Arabia. I mean, those movies are okay, I guess, but, like, okay. I mean, I cannot stand citizen kane now casablanca i fucking love casablanca oh fuck Gone it, it, it got, 10 year anniversary citizen kane got number one again are they fucking are you fucking serious again number one again yeah it was number one and then number two the 10 year anniversary was the godfather three was casablanca so there was a bit of a change uh raging bull and then singing in the rain yeah, see, I love Casablanca. I actually love Gone with the Wind too, even as problematic as it is. Mm-hmm. Like, but the main characters are shitty. <laughs> um, they're both anti-heroes, and I also like. Um, well, no, I've never seen Lawrence of Arabia, so. Yeah. Well, sounds like Casablanca. we're gonna be watching that next week. I'm just kidding. We're not watching that. Uh-huh, no, we're not. Nice Did it win threat. anything? What? Did it win an Oscar? Oh yeah, it did. Nineteen sixty-three for best picture. Yep, best yeah. picture, best director, best original score, best cinematography in color because they used to have color and black and white. Ooh, but yeah. now everything's in color, so don't exactly have that categories anymore. Kind of like when, uh, you know, they had to separate Best Animated Film from Best Film. Oh, yeah, I guess, right. And then Shrek won, but then every year since it's been Disney. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, so when you say that, right, like, Best Animated Film, the year that Shrek won, which was the first year, I, like, distinctly remember watching that year, right? Because they had Shrek and Donkey in the audience. They had fucking CGI'd them into the audience and sitting there as if they were fucking there. And it was like, what the fuck even? Early 2000s CGI. And and of course, at the time, I was 12 years old, so I thought that was, like, pretty cool. But, like, now, like... Imagine seeing that shit if, like, cartoon motherfucking characters from the movies that were this year were in the, pretending to be in the audience. Like, imagine the year that fucking Frozen won. Like, imagine Elsa and Anna and Kristoff and Olaf 
fucking Olaf in the fucking audience doing a dance because he fucking won. Like, fuck off. No. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Ah, uh, the Oscars. I didn't actually watch it because I was extremely exhausted. Oh, no, I didn't watch the Oscars last night either. I just pretend like I watched the Oscars and then say how much the Oscars were so amazing last uh, night. Yeah. Fuck, all you have to do, uh, honestly, people at BuzzFeed and all those other websites, they can watch the Oscars. And then the next morning, I will go online and I will read the highlights because there's a lot of fucking bullshit. There's a lot of fucking commercials. Yeah, like, I don't give a fuck about the Oscars. <laughs> it's true. Uh, uh, one year, f- four or five years ago, I did watch the Oscars, and that was the moment where I went, huh, I really don't need to watch the Oscars. Like, I just don't. <laughs> it's like a long-ass motherfucking program, and I don't need to watch the whole thing to get the gist of it. All I need Not to do... To mention, it's like, what? three and a half hours long on average and the first av- the first hour is dedicated to technical stuff oh and it's like, not just that either the like you say three hours for just the like actual you know thing right but then there's like what two an hour and a half like two hours beforehand when everybody's on the red carpet like i don't give a shit what fucking outfit they're wearing talk about like what actually matters Okay, stop asking these women about what they're wearing. Nobody fucking. Well, actually, I kind of do like looking at the pretty dresses. But but... why do you have to do best and worst dress? Why you got to pit women against each other, huh? Exactly. You know what? Even if you think that dress is fucking ugly, she didn't. And she looked fucking hot. And you're just jealous. Exactly. I wish I was in that fucking dress. I would have worn Whippy Goldberg's dress last night. It was fucking ugly, but I would have worn that if I was going to the fucking Oscars. You That's know it. what? That dress is more than that dress is worth more than what I make in a year. So fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It looks like my grandma's fucking rug, but still. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a fucking ugly dress, okay? I didn't see it. I didn't look at any of that shit. Here I am. I'm like, oh, I'm so feminist. That was a fucking ugly dress. <laughs> I'm the fucking. to have an opinion on what you think is ugly or not. It was a fucking ugly dress, okay? I don't know if I would. You know what? The whoopee rocked it. Yeah, she did fucking rock it, okay? So. I mean, she's an oh. Oscar winner. So, like, give she the woman can do a break. Whatever the fuck she wants. Exactly. Anyways, we should probably end it. this. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> we should probably end this, maybe. I don't yeah, know. We <laughs> um, we're going to be doing Crash next week. That oh, are we really? Fun. Yay. Oh I mean, ugh. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Crash is one of the infamous ones. Like, how the fuck did it win Best Picture? <laughs> uh, okay. I'm going to talk about this next week, but like, I got a fucking story about Crash. And I, like, cannot wait to tell this stupid-ass fucking story. I can't uh, wait to hear it. Okay. Um, anyway, you can uh, contact me on Twitter at South of Grace. Me and my whole 20 followers. It's fantastic. I have more <laughs> followers than you do. Well, you've also been on Twitter longer than me. So Are you sense. calling me old? Because it's okay. No. I am pretty old. I've been on since 2009, and I don't even have 200 followers, so, like, 
Oh, Ashleen. Big person uh, here. Even though I'm... I don't understand how people, like, don't have any other social media besides Twitter and they get fucking five million people following them. I don't... I mean, this sounds awful, but, like, I just don't like Twitter as a platform. Like, I don't find it enjoyable. Like, live-tweeting things? Fair. Like, fuck no. I'd rather shoot myself in the fucking dick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's your Twitter? <laughs> yeah, but could you still... Could you still give your Twitter out anyway? <laughs> You guys don't understand. We're tired drunk. When you're so tired, you get kind of woozy and It's like bedtime for Ageline right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to shoot myself in the dick. (laughs) Fucking stupid. Okay. So my uh, Twitter handle is uh, Ageline. And then there's an S at the end. That is A-I-S-L-E-N-E-S. That is also the same for my Instagram. And I am Ajeline Schufelt on Facebook. You can follow me there. I don't really have much things for public use, but, you know, whatevs. Um, oh, and uh, also my works website is kicks.fm. Everything that I said here, though, has nothing to do with the actual website and, like, the company and stuff because, like, I'm a person with my own opinions and my opinions are pretty fucking shitty and that means they are not the opinions of my employer. Yeah, better put that PSA out there. I'm just saying. I am a horrible person. What is it, like, those infomercial, you know, like, the views expressed in this telecast may not be the views of the company. (laughs) They aren't the fucking views of my company, cause like, I am a Bro, shitty person. You're from conservative city. Oh fuck! You have no idea. I'm like the yeah, most I liberal do. of liberals. Yeah, oh yeah, I guess you know, liberal <laughs> in the south. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh, liberal in the Bible, in the Bible Belt, deep south. Oh god. But oh, at least you got some pretty good fried food down there, and some sweet yeah. tea. I fucking love sweet tea. Fucking I couldn't sweet. live up north, you guys in here. Okay, chemistry. You can't put cold, you can't have a cold drink and put sugar in it and expect it the sugar to dissolve. It's not how it fucking works. You and your unsweet iced tea. Y'all can go fuck yourself. <laughs> we do have sweet iced tea. Mm-mm. Okay, uh, one thing I have to say about fucking iced tea, we have like the Nest Tea bricks, Brisk Tea yeah. up there or whatever, which she thinks is disgusting, but sweet so tea has way too much fucking sugar in it, okay? Not the way I make it. Mm, okay, I guess, but it tastes weird. <laughs> okay, like um, I will anyway. never get over the fact that every time I go into the States and I ask for an iced tea, I get a fucking cold cup of fucking tea. Like, just no sugar, and it's like, oh, wait, I have to ask for fucking sweet tea? Like, I just want a nest tea. That's what it's like in Canada. If I want an iced tea, I get a fucking nest tea. If I go to a uh, fucking McDonald's, 
That's what you get. You get iced tea with fucking sugar already put into it. I'm so sick of the states. You're the worst. That's why your government is failing. Sweet tea. Get your iced tea shit together. God. Anyways, uh, I guess we'll just see you next week.